Welcome to In Transition, a program dedicated to the practice of content marketing in the public sector. Here's your host, David Pembroke. Today our focus is on content marketing and government and how governments can capitalise on the gift of technology. My name is David Pembroke and we're coming to you today from the ACT Government's Digital Hub in Gungahlin, Canberra, Australia. Joining me uh, today, Gina Chiancio, the Senior Social Media Advisor at the Department of Human Services in the Australian Government. Just to give us a little bit of a background on your career and what's brought you to where you are now in uh, communication. Yeah, I joined the Department of Human Services back then, Centrelink, about seven years ago. And for the past four years, I've been working in a specialised team focusing on digital and social media. And I took a little bit of time out in between to work in the UK in marketing there as well. I think it's important just as we get started to understand just exactly what it is that we're talking about, which is content marketing. And I think it's a relatively new term for an old practice that really has been turbocharged by the digital and, and the capability of digital. And I'll draw down on a, uh, or adapt actually, the, the Content Marketing Institute's, or one of the Content Marketing Institute's definitions of content marketing. And what they say is, I've adapted it for this audience of government, content marketing is a strategic marketing approach of creating and distributing valuable, relevant and consistent content to attract and acquire clearly defined audiences with the objective of driving meaningful engagement with citizens. So that's how I've defined it, and that's really the boundaries for our discussion today. Um, your department is the poster child. Why is it, Gina, that you've been able to, to be so successful in this space, and what are the fundamental parts that you see where you're getting it right? I think we're getting it right because we started a lot by listening, so finding out what our audiences were talking about, what they wanted to know, what kind of information they were finding confusing, or um, you know what they were really seeking, and that's how we then developed our content around that. So we listened for a long time in online forums and communities to what our audiences were saying, and then continually adapted and evolved our approach um, based on their needs. So we started up with niche social media accounts where there was the most need. We were posting that timely and relevant information that you're talking about. So um, you know how to get payments, maintain your payments, um, other important things you need to do. Uh, and that kind of relevant information resonated well. People were sharing that and engaging positively with that information. Can you give us an example of where you've been able to use content marketing uh, to achieve a measurable outcome and, a, and an objective? Sure. Um, probably our family update uh, Facebook and Twitter accounts is a good example of that. Those accounts have only been around for about a year and they were set up for the purpose of sharing really important news and information for families and to complement a business objective to try and rationalise our letters. So some families' customers were getting like 26 letters a year. So sometimes that's multiple letters in a week and it was too confusing and a lot of customers were saying that they were no longer reading the letters because it was just too much or sometimes they got conflicting information. And as part of rationalising that project, the business area really wanted to know which ones are essential that we send out and perhaps what messages could we send through other channels. And they did a lot of research with families, customers. Um, many of them were engaging online and wanted to receive um, information through online channels and tools. And we then set up the Facebook and Twitter accounts there. 
And through paid promotion and other things, we're able to really target those uh, people, even if they're not following our accounts, and get huge reach. So some of our messages reached over one and a half million people, and a lot of that is through organic sharing. We're seeing that a lot of people are just tagging their friends. So we get all these blue names in the comments because they're like, this is important and I want my friends to know about it. Um, and while it's hard to measure in social media, I think everyone sort of grapples with that. Um, we are seeing through anecdotally that it is really achieving its goals. Okay, well, we'll come back in because I think there's mm -hmm. a lot to drill down into that, I think, um, in terms of best practice and exactly what are the learnings that some of the other agencies, be it at a, a municipal level, be it at a, a state level or be it at a federal level, as we in terms of what we talk about here in, in Australia. But I think there are some things that you'll be able to really bring, bring to that to, okay. to the further mm -hmm. discussion. Given that there is likely to be continuing increasing demand for high quality mm -hmm. content, relevant content, published more often um, across multiple platforms, how are, how are you dealing with that um, within your team? Yeah, we try to tap into our staff. So we've got, you know, over 30,000 people working in our organisation and so many of the stories are within our people. So we use um, our internal collaboration tools to ask them to share their stories and we've been um, posting those on social media and getting a really great uh, response to those. Um, and those stories are about their role in the department or yeah. their role as citizens? Varied. So sometimes it's to um, profile a particular job role that we have. So we've got multicultural service officers that go out in the community and um, work with people from diverse backgrounds to help them understand um, what support's available to them. So sometimes we might profile someone in that role um, and and then link them back to our website where they can find out more about the support available. Other times it might be about a really great achievement of a staff member. So they raised you know X amount of money for Cancer Council and what a terrific job they did. Mm -hmm. um, and I guess it's just trying to show more of that human face behind our organisation and who we are. Mm. One of the things that I've often looked at when, I, when we're in government departments and agencies and looking around and auditing content when they say, oh, we don't have any content, doesn't take too long to find no. that there are there's oceans of content. Mm. How are you going about that process of trying to take, you know, some of the more you know heavy policy stuff and turning it into information uh, that is relevant and, and can be published across platforms? How are you dealing with that challenge? Yeah, I guess we always try to take two approaches. So one is: is there a people story within this, and can we share it in that way? I think people engage better and they find it more interesting to be told a story rather than a broadcast information around, you know, this is legislation and you should find it interesting. Um, and if we can't find a, a people element, we might, we then try to focus within our team of, you know, how could we phrase this in a way that would be of interest if I needed to tell this to my mother or brother or whoever the audience is, how could we say it in a way that would be interesting to them? And we're now focusing more on trying to optimise our content. So rather than just always text updates through social media, could this be turned into an infographic or can we do a short video about it? Um, how can we make it more interesting and appealing so that it, people do want to share it and that people do want to follow on and read it uh, and find out what it is we're trying to say? Is the burden, though, still in the comms area? Or have you been able to distribute the, the opportunity for policy areas, for example, to create more relevant content that's not perhaps produced in, in a mm. traditional policy format? 
Yeah, we engage really closely with all of our business areas. So they're the ones uh, responsible for the policies and the programs. Um, we meet with them regularly and tell them, look, this is your channel to get your information across. Mm -hmm. Let's catch up what's, what's on the forecast. How can we find out even things like letters that are getting sent out, which might seem really mundane. It can work really well to do a proactive message. Look, hey, from next week, you're going to get a letter about this. This is what it means. You don't need to do anything. Because we find that often when people get a letter, the first thing they do is call to check if they need to do anything with the letter, even if we say in there that there's no action needed. So trying to um, even involve more operational and business messages. Um, and that we find that our audiences really find that information useful, um, that it's a mix of what they need to do, um, you know, relating to their payments and services and also more of the good news and um, interesting information that we can share. What, what are the steps, given you are a forerunner, you are at, at, at the head of the pack and probably more mature in this space than others, but what are some of the simple steps that government leaders and agency leaders could take to start to improve the effectiveness of their mm -hmm. content marketing? I think even potentially starting, like you were saying, with smaller steps and even in an internal way. So. We have an interactive internal news site uh, which allows people to comment, um, to rate stories and to share their stories. And generally they're written and published through the News Hub editor. Um, but certain leaders, such as in the zones, we've got 16 zone leaders, they're all able to write and share their own stories. And I think um, allowing people to have that opportunity to start generating content in a space where it's fairly safe um, and then allowing them to then go more publicly and externally with that. And do you have the feedback loops in place which are able to demonstrate to people, you know, the successes perhaps and some of the challenges of this evolving practice? Definitely. Um, we've certainly got the informal feedback that people can provide in the commenting fields, uh, but then in an internal way we do a survey with staff every year uh, to find out what communication channels do they listen to, which ones are the most effective, which ones do they think need improvement and how, and we continually use that feedback to improve how we uh, communicate with our staff. I think one of the big challenges is around, you know, the changing in composition of skills that's required to execute a content marketing uh, program of communication as opposed to your traditional media relations, issues management, uh, you know, ministerial focused communications. How, how is it that you're going about improving the skills of your staff so as that they can become better publishers so than media managers? In large government departments, how important is the digital technology in spreading the message? Yeah, we've got a range of internal digital channels um, and they serve different purposes. So we've got wikis where business areas and program teams can develop workspaces where they can have discussions around a particular project. We've got News Hub, our internal news site, which is like a blog that people can share good news stories or important updates to business um, you know, measures that are happening. Uh, and obviously the internet as well, but our internet's not social, so News Hub works in really closely with that. And then we've also got Yammer, a microblogging tool. And we can definitely see that they're being used well. News Hub, more than a third of all staff are accessing that monthly, um, getting lots of you know, really high likes and uh, commenting there. Before we had News Hub, we had 12 separate PDF e-newsletters that were circulated and it was just email overload and we really had to rationalise that. We're finding that digital channels such as those can really simplify it and make it easier for our staff to access the information that they need in a central location. Gina, what's your views about
content marketing as it's defined, as I defined it at the mm. beginning of the program, do you think that there is a, is there a reluctance to talk about government communication as marketing? Uh, well, when I first joined seven years ago, we were the marketing section and now our name is more around customer communication. So they've kind of softened it a little bit there. I guess our department's a bit different in that we're a service delivery agency. We don't generally do campaigns and I think people tend to link campaigns more closely with the term marketing. Mm. Um, but as you defined it in the introduction, it was really just about having timely, relevant, interesting and engaging content go out. And that for us is very important. We find that um, sentiment on some of our social media spaces um, can turn a bit more negative or neutral if we're not um, fulfilling them equally so with positive content or timely information. Um, Dilib shared a really interesting uh, infographic in their newsletter this week, which was around the 36 rules of social media engagement. And one of them, I think it was rule number one, is if all you do is respond to complaints, then that's all you're going to get. And um, <laughs> people do often come to us to let us know about the issues that they're having, either um, with accessing payments and services. And if all we were to do was to respond to those um, issues, I think that's all we'd see. We, we really focus heavily on getting a consistent and continual flow of good news and content out um, to balance that. It's great fun, Gina, <laughs> isn't it? it to, to, to take that thoughtful approach and to understand and to be able to tell the story. Do you have fun doing content marketing? Yeah, I love my job. Um, <laughs> but we do just part of it. So we've got a, a, a different communication team uh, that we work really closely with and they are the the people that um, write and develop the strategies to promote a particular program or initiative. And we're like a specialised team that provide advice and work closely with them on that. And it's really interesting because um, we'll kind of brainstorm what we think is the right way to go. And as Craig was saying, you often spread content out. So we might do a few Facebook messages and tweets and see what the reaction is. Um, are there questions that are coming through? Did people find the humour that worked well with them and they'd like to see more of that? And then we're able to continually evolve our approach as it goes on. Gina, your views on internal culture and the importance of internal culture um, to establish a foundation for effective content marketing? Yeah, we work really hard to try and build confidence in the different business areas internally. Um, without them, we wouldn't be able to share their content. Um, they essentially own the particular program and information and we need them to be on board to be able to spread messages about that. Uh, we'll attend you know, meetings with them and let them know about the types of conversations people are having online already about their particular programs and that it's important that they join that conversation by putting out proactive and official information. Um, and we've been working really well. I think we've built confidence in certain areas. Some places we still have a bit of work to do, but that's natural. There's continually movements and uh, new people coming on board and it does seem quite new and scary when... Um, you hear that there's this established social media team and they're going out there and talking about your programs. So it's, an, it's a continual cycle. Yeah. How do you go about becoming a better storyteller by learning from the media at the same time as trying to deal with the constraint of, of government? We have quite a few people in our team that come from a media background and when they join the team, everyone comes from different backgrounds, IT, call centres, wherever they may be. And they're encouraged to share their skills and experience with the rest of the team. So we'll hold our own kind of informal training sessions with most of our team meetings. 
where one person will be elected to share that story and it's quite an easy, simple, free thing to do and it really helps everyone in the team. Um, Natalie in our team, for example, she is an excellent storyteller. She looked after that news hub internal news site and she's now with our team um, you know, contributing really valuable content to all of our social media accounts. And she's got a great skill of finding good people, um, telling their story in a unique way and then really leveraging it as well. I think it's not just putting it out through the content marketing, but she's got these clever ideas of, you know, developing it into an interesting email that then you send to that person and you encourage them to email it to all their friends and networks to then share or retweet or repost in some way. Um, and, and really tapping into a lot of influential people to get that story mileage then. So, um, yeah, I think that's one element. And then we also do invest in, in more formal training as well. Um, many of us have, you know, taken creative writing courses uh, to really try and look at how we can say something in continually different ways. As we come towards the end of the program, just maybe some tips and some hints for people sitting out there who, who perhaps aren't in the aren't in an agency like yours where there is obviously well-developed, well-good processes, things are moving well, and you're really, you know, trimming the sails as you sort of head off into the, into the sunset, so to speak. <laughs> but what are some of the things that people could do to start the conversation around the office to start to help to take advantage of this gift, which is publishing through digital technology? Mm. I think there are a few things that we did that worked well. So firstly, listening to what the audience is saying. So then you can go there with real feedback. At, I guess it's that informal way of, like you said, starting the process with research. We were gathering that intel so we could then take it to business areas to tell them this is the demand or these are the conversations people are already having. And in some situations there was misinformation spreading. So then that created a real demand and a need for them to want to share their information. Um, getting them prepared to be able to respond back, like uh, Craig said, you know, it's not a one-way push. When you start talking about a particular payment or program, uh, people will have questions and to be able to respond early. And something that we're finding now is working really well as our channels mature is to help empower people to want to help the other people in that community or space. So we're getting, say, for example, on our family's Facebook page, people helping and answering other people's questions. And we're now trying to facilitate and encourage more of that. So, you know, jumping in with things like, hi, just, you know, reaffirming what Katie said. Thanks, Katie. Great answer. That's all correct. And just giving people a real nod and that kind of sense of ownership of those spaces. All right. Well, thank you very much to Eugenia. And if you do have any questions, any further questions, please feel free to contact us at Content Group, which is info at contentgroup.com.au. Thanks very much for joining us. You've been listening to In Transition, the program dedicated to the practice of content marketing in the public sector. For more, visit us at contentgroup.com.au.